you guys didn't know that I was going to speak today about a guy named Sennacherib. It's a funny name. Emphasis not on rib, but Sennacherib. Sennacherib, what a great name. If you read the scriptures, you know that the name Sennacherib struck fear into every army, every king, and every citizen in the region. He was king of Assyria. He was scary. He was a military genius who commanded a ruthless army. And he was a proficient political leader who could cut deals or cut throats. Just as easy as that. He was the undisputed, undefeated, unscored upon champion of his time. Nobody messed with him. That's just how it was. Hezekiah was in office just four years when Sennacherib conquered his northern neighbors and deported them to far off lands. He had a record to support his boasting. He was undefeated. So this is what he said. The words of Sennacherib. Ready for this? Has any God of any nation ever delivered his land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Nope, not one. Now listen, each one of us will face a giant and feel overwhelmed, just like Joy and Amanda's song just said. Doesn't seem like there's a way. But let's see how Sennacherib reacted when it was his turn to face the giant called Sennacherib. This is our fourth and final message from his life. There could be four more easily. There's so much material in the Bible about the man Hezekiah. But we share this with you so that you can get endurance, encouragement, and hope from the scriptures as they're taught. Sennacherib was like Sauron, the dark lord in the Lord of the Rings. If you remember that story, he was like the white witch in the lion, the witch in the wardrobe. He was, for fans of the Avengers, he was Thanos. For Star Wars people, he was the evil First Order facing the resistance. And for Buffalo Bills fans, he was the New England Patriots. Yeah, that, just when they show up, it's like, oh no. The leaders of the nations had two choices when it came to dealing with Sennacherib. Surrender and be deported and hope for the best, or align yourself with the nation of Egypt and hope that their army could somehow at least neutralize Sennacherib because they were far away. In 702 BC, Sennacherib put down a rebellion in the province of Babylon and then he turned his sights on Jerusalem. Along the way to Jerusalem, he was like a tsunami. He wiped out everything in his path in his journal that they found in the study of archaeology, they found, uh, he wrote in his journal, I took 46 walled cities in Judah and deported over 200,000 citizens. All that was left was the city of Jerusalem itself. In his journal, Hezekiah, I'm sorry, Sennacherib wrote, I shut up Hezekiah like a bird in a cage in his royal city nowhere to go. All the people around there had been deported and all the cities had been taken. Isaiah describes the situation like this. He says, 
Uh, our country is desolate. Our cities are burned with fire. Our fields are being stripped by foreigners right before our very eyes. That's how it was. Hezekiah, in his wisdom, saw this coming years before. And so he made preparation for war. He reinforced the walls of the city. He made a large number of weapons. He completed one of the greatest engineering feats ever of that time. Uh, it's called Hezekiah's Tunnel. It endures to this very day. It's, uh, it's a place where he diverted water from outside the city in a spring underground into a pool called the Pool of Siloam, which you hear about in Jesus' day. The job, guys, the engineers among us, girls, the engineers among us, anybody who's into construction, this is a crazy thing. It's made even more impressive because teams started on both ends and somehow met in the middle, underground. 1,700 feet long. Think of six football fields underground and you're tunneling through to meet your partner on the other end. Tourists today can walk the length of the tunnel, but you need to probably wear shorts or some pants that dry quick because there's still water in the tunnel, sometimes up to three feet deep. It's high enough for most people to walk through standing upright. Can you imagine can you imagine the engineering? I mean, can you imagine using uh, manpower and hand tools to accomplish this job? That's an amazing preparation for war. And of course, in case of war, at least there would be fresh water in the city. And you probably have footnotes in your Bible and you can probably do a quick Google and see some up-close pictures of Hezekiah's tunnel if you want to. You have my permission to do that right now. For those, though, who question the accuracy of the Bible and say that's old, that's man-made, that you can't believe it, just this one picture of Hezekiah's tunnel is worth a thousand words when you think about the accuracy of the scriptures. Hezekiah then made a declaration of dependence he gathered the people in Jerusalem and admitted, we're in trouble. But here's what we're going to do. We're not going to rely on Egypt and we're not going to surrender. There is one other option. We're going to trust the Lord. So he told his people some of the best words ever. Be strong and courageous. There is a greater power with us than with them. And of course, the skeptics in the group are going, what are you talking about? They just took away 200,000 of our people. They took down our walled cities. How can you say there's a greater power with us than with, this, with them? You'll see. God will make a way when there doesn't seem to be a way. When he was younger, Hezekiah, as you've heard if you've been studying with us these last three weeks, Hezekiah tried to buy protection from Sennacherib. He gave him 10 tons of silver and a ton of gold. And he knew he wasn't trusting the Lord, but it 
it was seemed like the right thing to do at the time. It was disappointing. Pay the bully and hope that the bully will stay away from you. That was the idea, and everybody else was doing it. But Hezekiah had second thoughts. He knew he blew it. And now, about, about 10 years later, he chose to trust in the Lord with all his heart and lean not on his own understanding. And in all his ways, he acknowledged the Lord, and the Lord made his path straight. Sennacherib, though, was the master of misinformation. Have you heard that term lately? Misinformation. Sennacherib learned that the Egyptian army was starting to gather their forces and march north. So it required him to leave the area for a little bit and go deal with Egypt. But he wrote, or he sent messengers to Hezekiah, and this is what he said. By the way, you guys, there's a lot of material on this story in the scriptures from 2 Chronicles, 2 Kings, and Isaiah. And you wonder why the Holy Spirit preserved this story in three different places for us. It must be very important, that's why. And there must be something in there for you to dig into and learn from so that you can get endurance, encouragement, and hope. This is what the message from Big Sennacherib said to Hezekiah. He sent messengers to Hezekiah with this word. Say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, do not let the God you depend on deceive you when he says Jerusalem will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. Surely you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries, destroying them completely. And will you be delivered? Did the gods of the nations that were destroyed by my predecessors deliver them? The gods of Gozan, Haran, Rezeb, and the people of Eden? Where's the king of Hamath and the king of Arpad? There's more. I've eliminated some of that story just to, for brevity, but you, I encourage to read this. Translation, we are undefeated. You got no shot. Deal with it. Now, there was one tiny problem with the thinking and the bragging of mighty Sennacherib. I would ask for you to look at it again. Look at the statement. Has any God of any nation ever delivered his land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Do you see it? Do you see the flaw in his thinking, this misinformation? Uh, it's the third word. It's the small g God. That's it. You're trying to tell me that a small g God is equal to the capital G God? Wait a minute. Um, in April, our government uh, came out with a new idea to help you sort out fact from fiction. Aren't you lucky? Because your government came out with the Disinformation Government Board. Yes. The main idea is that your government will fact check all the news reports and weed out the mistakes for you so you don't have to do any thinking. They will do it for you. Now, back in the day, Back in the day, this term politely was said uh, misinformed. You're misinformed. When you have a mistake or you didn't understand exactly, you, legitimately you can be misinformed. You didn't know. And that's understood. 
But your mom probably had a very simple question for you. Standing there with a kitchen implement, whatever was available, in her hand. And she would ask you in a very stern voice, are you lying to me right now? <sighs> every kid's been there probably, and every kid has felt the wrath of whatever was in your mother's hand at the moment. Um, are you lying to me? Now, we are blessed to live in a land where you, you, you have freedom that was paid for by the blood of patriots. You have freedom of speech. You've heard it. You can say just about anything you want, even on TV or in movies or in music. You can say just about anything around here. The person listening to your free speech then has to decide if this is true or false. They are their own board of disinformation. They decide. I mean, dispensing misinformation. Are you dispensing misinformation or are you telling the truth? And it's a, kind of a funny thing because our culture thinks it's a brand new thing. You know, this is, we've come up with something special here. Um, it's been going on since the Garden of Eden when the snake lied to Adam and Eve, right? Did God really say? There it goes. And sometimes the misinformation sounds true because important people say it, so therefore it must be true. And at that time, Sennacherib was the most important person. And if he said something, you believe it. So I've combined his messages and his letters in a kind of brevity here to give you the uh, gist of his point. And again, the Bible gives a lot of space to this conversation, which I encourage you to read on your own. But this is from 2 Kings 18, a few sporadic verses, but you should read the whole context. He says, now do not let Hezekiah deceive you or mislead you like this. Do not believe him, for no God of any nation has ever been able to deliver his people from my hand or the hand of my predecessors. How much less your God deliver you from my hand? Verse 30, don't let Hezekiah persuade you to trust in the Lord when he says, the Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given into the hand of the king of the Assyrians. And then onward to verse 35. Who of all the gods of these countries has been able to save his land from me? How then can the Lord deliver Jerusalem from my hand? See, you see it there, uh, small g and capital L in this case in some of these texts. Then verse 17 of 2 Chronicles 32. The king also wrote ridiculing the Lord, the God of Israel. That's never a good idea. And saying this against him, just as the gods of the people of other lands did not rescue their people from my hand, so the God of Hezekiah will not rescue his people from my hand. In verse 19, they spoke about the God of Jerusalem as they did about other gods of other peoples of the world, the work of human hands. You guys are different today, and you guys can be strong and courageous today because your God is not a capital or a, a small G God. He is a capital G God. Mighty Sennacherib, I'm sorry, buddy, you're misinformed. 
He thought the God of Hezekiah was a small g God. Fatal mistake. Fatal mistake. And so we come to this word called intercession. Sennacherib has written a letter now and said, I'm coming for you. Get ready. And this is where we can learn what to do with the Sennacheribs, the giants in our lives. Hezekiah took the letter and went to the temple and he spread it out there before the Lord. You can do that. Whatever it is in your life today, you can do that. You can take it and spread it out before the Lord and say, this is bigger than me, but it is not bigger than you. And it's so cool the way he prayed. He asked the Lord to show everyone the difference between the small G God and the Lord God Almighty. So I encourage you to copy and repeat this prayer from 2 Kings 19, 14 through 19. This is how you pray. God, he's, he's the way maker. He's the miracle worker. He's the promise keeper. He's the light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. And so this is how the prayer goes. I wanted to read it for you. I want you to read it with your own eyes. Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth, and you have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. It's true, Lord, that the Assyrian king has laid waste to these nations in their lands. They've thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord, our God, deliver us from his hands so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. I know that you can go to the store and buy books on prayer. And I know that you can go to seminars and learn how to pray. Or you can open up the scriptures and see how people in the Bible prayed and prayed like, pray like that. And that's what I encourage you to do. Um, 14 years ago, our church met a woman in a very confusing and hopeless situation. She had no home and no car and no job, and she was a single mom. She had a very threatening husband. She had no citizenship, no status, and she was a long way from home. But if she returned home, she would be arrested at the airport for her association with Americans. In the strangest of ways, the Lord opened the door for her to meet the kind-hearted people of the Clarence Church of Christ. It's a long story we should share around the campfire some night. Several jobs and several court appearances later, several encounters with some of you here at CCC. Lots of trauma, lots of drama over the years. 
Last Sunday, she was here with us in worship. She has since relocated. She has remarried. She has some kind of a really good job with a really big bank and it's so complicated. I, she just works for a bank. That's about all I can tell you. It's crazy. I remember walking on the bike path and praying for her. And I said to the Lord, this is way bigger than me. This is one of the most difficult situations I've ever seen for a person to be in. Please, Lord, by your great power and your great name, so everybody will know it was you, please intervene in her life. Please help her. And Deb's, white, uh, Deb's advice was golden. She kept saying, let's just go step by step, take it step by step. There's a greater power with us than with them, right? And you and I saw it, so some of you remember, by God's grace, just baby step by baby step, he has completely turned this woman's life around. And she sat with us last Sunday recounting some of the story. Her mother was with her from that far off country, explaining all that's happened and her mom's crying and shaking her head and God gets all the credit and all the glory. That's the bottom line in our prayers, right? It's not that we get healed or that our city be rescued or I get what I need, but beyond that, that all the nations on earth may know that you alone are God. When God hears a prayer like that, buddy, get ready and start watching. One more thing before we tell the final part of the story. There was a consultation that took place. We have to work Isaiah back into the story before we close the chapter on Hezekiah today. He asked his mentor, Hezekiah, Isaiah, for insight. And by now, you know what to expect from this bold messenger. He usually, he usually just tells it like it is. And he doesn't care who's listening because he's so confident that he's speaking for God. And so this is what he says. I, King Hezekiah, ask you for consultation, Isaiah. What should we do about this situation? This guy's mocking the living God. What should we do? And these are such great words, you guys. This is what the Lord says. Don't be afraid of what you've heard. Those words with the king of Syria have blasphemed me. Listen, I'm going to put such a spirit in him that when he hears a certain report, he will return to his own country and there I'll have him cut down with the sword. <laughs> it's like, do you know that we're talking about Sennacherib here? The undefeated, undisputed, unscored upon champion of the world. You know that's who we're talking about? Absolutely. Do you know who I'm talking about? The Lord God Almighty. Remember now, nobody talks trash to Sennacherib except somebody who knows the living God. In a series of magnificent prophecies, he describes the destruction of the Assyrian army. You can read about it in Isaiah chapter 6 of them, chapter 29 through 35, right in there. 
He's just blunt. Let me just give you a taste of what he says in 2 Kings 19. Isaiah sent a message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. I've heard your prayer concerning Sennacherib. Who is it you've ridiculed and blasphemed? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes in pride? Against the Holy One of Israel. Skipping to verse 28. Because you rage against me and because of your insolence has reached my ears, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth and I will make you return by the way you came. Nobody talks to Sennacherib like that. Isaiah continues, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And so verse 32 says, I've got goosebumps right now going up and down my back as I read this boldness. Therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria. He will not enter the city. He will not shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with a shield or build a siege ramp against it. By the way he came, he will return. He will not enter this city, declares the Lord. I will defend the city and save it for my sake and the sake of my servant David. Amanda and Joy just sang for us. God will make a way when there seems to be no way. Under the circumstances, that song and Isaiah's words seem ridiculous until you notice the distinction between the small g gods and the Lord God Almighty. I love to read the book of Isaiah and just read of his view of God. Sometimes we shrink back from things because our view of God is small, like it's a small g that we're using for God Almighty. We're almost ashamed to come before him with a big request because we think it's too big for him. Nope, you're wrong. Isaiah said in chapter 40, to whom will you compare me? Who's my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? Who brings out all these starry hosts? One by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. You see his demonstration every clear night. What I'm telling you is that if he can handle the stars in the sky, he can probably handle Sennacherib. And so let's look at these final words together. That night, the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. So Sennacherib broke camp and withdrew. He returned to Nineveh and stayed there. One day when he was worshiping in the God of his the temple of his God, Nisroch, his sons killed him with the sword and Esharden, his son, succeeded him as king. God will make a way when there doesn't seem to be a way. Is there any question here about who's in charge? I read this and wrote in my chronological Bible, Ding dong, the witch is dead, the wicked witch, the wicked witch. I mean, gone. And all the nations heard about this as, Isaiah, as Hezekiah prayed. 
And you know what they did? They celebrated and enemies sent gifts to Hezekiah and he prospered greatly because he stood up to the giant. And with that, God buries his workers and continues his work. Hezekiah disappears from the scene. His name goes into the family tree of Jesus. And he remains in obscurity until people like us dig into his life and find out what he's all about. But I'm here to tell you when it was his turn, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And now it's your turn. And I encourage you to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. Learn to stand up in an ungodly culture and trust him and do right. Learn to choose godly warrior type mentors in your life who encourage your walk with the Lord like Isaiah. Learn to pray big, hairy, audacious prayers, those behaps. Lord, our God, deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms on earth may know that you alone are Lord. And then learn to walk with the capital G, God. That night, the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000. I can't even think about that. I know that probably raises a lot of questions with you, and I would love to talk with you more about that, but I would much prefer that you talk with Mitch or Jordan about that, or any of the elders. Let them explain to you the sovereignty of God and why that seemed the right thing to do at the time. What I'm telling you is that you stand in the place of Hezekiah today, and it is your turn in this generation, in this time, to step up and trust the Lord God Almighty. He will make a way when there seems to be no way.